Welcome to my show, Revive with Jana. I am your host, Jana Johnson. And this podcast is where you will learn how to become your wellness advocate, how to overcome adversity, and how to heal and balance your body so you can be the best version of you. Thank you for tuning in and subscribing to my show. Hi, welcome to my show, Revive with Jana. Thank you all for tuning in today. I have my dear friend, Gabby Kelly, with me today. And Gabby is a speaker, coach, author, and podcast host. And I am so grateful that I met her about almost a year ago. And she is absolutely amazing. And I am so grateful to introduce her to y'all today. And Gabby, tell us a little bit more about what you do. Oh, Jana, thank you so much for that sweet intro <laughs> and for having me here. I'm so grateful for our friendship that we've gotten to cultivate over the last year, too. It's been really, really awesome to get to know you. Um, like you mentioned, I do a little bit of a lot of things. I have a podcast called Pain to Passion Live, where I share the stories of people who have been through difficult things and how they have turned that into something beautiful to give back to the world. And I am a coach. I help women specifically overcome the blockages in their life that are keeping them from pursuing their dreams. So sometimes those blockages are coming from past traumas or from difficulties in the past. Sometimes you're getting anxiety, depression, different things are, you're just hitting a wall and I've been tired of seeing women give up on their dreams because of these things. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to help as many people as I can with partnering with their nervous systems to be able to pursue their dreams. So that is what I do now. And I think that's absolutely beautiful because too many people these days walk around um, holding on to trauma and not really understanding what that does and how it affects us. You know, I know you and I have talked about this before, but, you know, the trauma that we don't heal, it comes out in, in other ways of our lives. Um, so tell me, when people come to you to work with you, do they, do they even quite realize the effect that the trauma has had on them? Or is that something that you, that you have to teach them? I don't think really anyone realizes the full effect that their past has had on them until they start talking it through with someone and recognizing the signs in their life. That's totally normal because you're just living your life and the way you feel feels normal to you, you know, but especially when you know that you want something really badly and no matter what you do or how you try, you feel like you hit a wall, you can't get there. That's something to pay attention to. And so usually what we uncover at that point is something along the way made your nervous system feel afraid of this thing that you actually want. And we hear a lot in like the personal development world and stuff like if you want it bad enough, you'll do it. And that can feel really shameful for people who want something very, very badly. But physically, like literally physically, they hit a wall where they can't do it, like they'll sit down and they can't do it. So they're like, what is wrong with me? When actually what I teach my clients is that is your nervous system doing its job. It was designed to keep you safe. 
and something about this scenario is making your nervous system say to you, oh, this isn't safe, you can't do this. So we look at that, where that trigger for our nervous system came from and slowly work through it and deactivate that trigger so that you can push through that wall without stopping anymore. It's really quite exciting to see these kinds of breakthroughs. You know, it makes me think of like, for me, I talk a lot about shattering limiting beliefs and that, you know, it makes me think about that because there's so many situations that occur in each of our lives that we might not quite realize the effect that they have on us and how they hold us back. And the one thing that I hear people talk about more today uh, in the last few years that I'd never heard of before was imposter syndrome. How would you describe imposter syndrome? The way that I see it and the way that I've experienced it is when you decide to move into a space that you really want to embody, but once you get there, you feel like a complete fraud. So you either get scared and you stop moving forward or you back out completely and do something that's, quote, less. What are some really good tips for someone, even even for myself, when those thoughts are coming into your head and you're just basically telling yourself you're not good enough, someone else does this, they do it better. What are some tips that people can use to help get past imposter syndrome when it, when it hits? Yeah, that's a great question. There are a couple of things that you could do. One is if you have the time to sit down with a journal, I'm like a huge proponent of journaling, and you might find this to be a little woo-woo, but honestly, sit down and imagine yourself as like, the six or seven year old version of you and sit down and write like, what is that six or seven year old version of me asking for right now? What is she afraid of in this scenario? If you were six or seven and doing what you're doing, there's a reason why she feels scared or she feels like she doesn't belong. You can write those down. It kind of gets it somatically out of your body. And then you can tell that six or seven year old, like your fears make sense but look around you. This is our house. We're grown now. We can do this. And even just list your accomplishments as small as they are. Like, even if they're small, like I made my bed today and my kids got to school and like, I am badass adult person. Just start to embody that adult version of yourself because it's that little kid in you that's so insecure saying like, this is not possible. This is not me. I can't do this. So that would be one, one thing. The other thing that has been so vital for me with imposter syndrome is just intentionally putting myself into spaces where I know I want to belong and continuing to go into those spaces over and over again, like physically, if I can go into those spaces, because the more you show your body, and your brain, like, I belong here, I belong here, the more that that's internalized. So you can actually show up and be like, you know what? I actually do belong here. I do know what I'm doing. I can do this. But it takes intentionality of putting yourself into that space again and again. Yeah, those are really great tips. And, you know, that what that made me think of is, um, and it's something I have to tell myself a lot, I believe we're our own worst critics. But every day looks different, right? So my best today isn't necessarily what my best yesterday was. And so 
when you were talking about like, hey, these are the accomplishments I've made today, right? They might sound simple, but you know what? You got it done and you did it. And, you know, I think what's important is to just, is to just get through it, right? And to not, not succumb to the fear because it's, it's really, really hard. You know, too many of us live in fear. I know I personally did for, for a long time. And, you know, I'm sure you work with a lot of people who just, they live in that fear and, you know, especially people who have PTSD. So I wanted to ask you, you know, the clients you work with, you know, trauma and complex PTSD, what exactly is that? I honestly never heard of complex PTSD. So tell me more about that. This is one of my favorite questions because the more people that know what this is, the better because it's so much more prevalent than we think. I also had no idea about four or five years ago what complex PTSD was, but I was having so many PTSD symptoms and additional symptoms on top of that. Like, for example, always feeling like I was looking through a glass wall, like I was separated from everything else. Like, random stuff that I couldn't put my finger on, but I knew I wasn't okay, very easily activated in my nervous system where my emotional responses to things would be so much bigger than the situation called for and I couldn't control it. So I went away for a weekend. (laughs) I lived in Texas at the time. I went to the silos at Magnolia and I got an Airbnb and I was just Googling, just doing all this research. I'm a researcher by nature. And I found a book called Complex PTSD from Surviving to Thriving by Pete Walker. I downloaded it on my Kindle and I read like almost the whole book that night because for the first time ever, I recognized myself in words. I was like, he's writing about my internal experience. This is crazy. Like I thought I was nuts, but he's telling me exactly how I feel. And so that sent me on this journey of understanding what complex PTSD was. So basically, PTSD is from a trauma that you can point to. So you can say, I know that my parents got divorced, or I know I was in a car accident, or I know I was a soldier in war. And it can be very difficult to overcome PTSD. But the thing is, you can point to the trauma. You know when it started. You know when it ended. With complex PTSD, there's no start point and there's no finish point. It's basically you were, for the most part, it's people who were born into chaotic family systems where that was your norm. So literally your brain is wired like backwards where you learn so early to constantly live in survival mode. So you're in hypervigilance constantly always scanning your surroundings because everything was dangerous nothing was healthy you didn't have healthy attachments to people your caretakers were unpredictable this can also happen in adulthood if you're in an abusive relationship you can get complex ptsd as well but more often it comes from childhood where the trauma was your life it's not something you could point to in your life Wow. I, I find it fascinating. I mean, I've just, just hearing it for the first time, what it is. I mean, I, I never even knew that was a thing and it makes so much sense though. It really does because everybody, 
everybody's a product of their environment, right? No matter how the environment looks. But if you constantly had to be in an environment every single day where it was just you're triggered and just basically like living off of adrenaline, you don't know any different. And so you, you as an adult, it's almost like you, you got to be able to engage with like your parasympathetic nervous system and be able to, to calm down and almost rewire your brain in a sense, right? So once a person recognizes that, is that something that they can overcome or is it just, what does that process look like? Do you, do you get to beat it and overcome it? Or is it something you live with, but you, you know how to navigate through life? That's a really good question as well. Personally, I think for the most part, you can heal complex PTSD. There are a lot of differing opinions on this. And in fact, in the USA, CPTSD is not part of the diagnostic manual, the DSM. It is everywhere else in the world, but it's not here. So literally here, if you're going to school as a mental health practitioner, etc., you have to explore it on your own because the treatment for it is completely different than it is for regular PTSD. So you need to find practitioners who really know what they're doing or coaches who really understand CPTSD. But what you have to do is teach your system what it feels like to be safe. And that safety and security are actually healthy because you've learned that chaos, insecurity, and not trusting anyone was the only way to stay safe, which causes a lot of chronic illness. It causes depression. It causes suicidality. It causes so many things. And I didn't even realize that this is what I was struggling with because it was my normal until I had kids. It was my kids that really opened my eyes to that. (laughs) Well, so go ahead and tell us more about that. So you have two kids, Fina and Emmanuel, and they're absolutely precious. Tell us more about that. So my first child is Emmanuel. He's a 10-year-old superstar that we adopted from Ethiopia. And he was little when he came home. He was 15 months old. And we were completely naive. We had no idea about attachment trauma and the different kinds of things you could encounter with an adoptee, which really makes me angry. (laughs) I do a lot of advocacy now for adoptive parents just so that they know what they're walking into because we were young, like we didn't know what we were doing. This was our first child. And the only thing that our agency had told us was if your child is older, here's an extra class that you can take. Our child was younger, he was 15 months old, and so there was kind of this assumption that what affected him isn't going to affect him long-term. He might have an adjustment period, but it's not going to affect him long-term. But within two weeks of him coming home, I could just feel in my gut like something is off. This isn't how it's supposed to be for him. This isn't how it's supposed to be for me. But I was a first-time mom. I was still in that mode of second-guessing anything that I would say to myself because that's part of CPTSD. But I started to dig into it because even like medical professionals would say, no, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong. 
So I had to keep like believing myself, there's something not right. And I discovered, I uncovered that he was really dealing with attachment trauma in addition to so many other things that we can't even name because we don't know his full history. We just don't know. But it was through that experience of doing the research for him that I looked at myself and I said, my son and I are dealing with the same crap, which was hard for us because we'd hit up against each other like, you're hitting my wounds, but I'm the adult. I'm like, okay, I know that I am wounded and having a hard time parenting this child who's wounded. So I have got to go get help for myself. And through that work, I found so much about what it means to be attuned to, like to have someone in your presence who actually hears you, empathizes with you. I learned how to, to parent in an attuned and connected way with this kid who was literally scared of intimacy, scared of love, scared of the world, scared of having a good time because if he was going to have a good time, he would freak out that something bad was going to happen or we, he was going to get taken from us or like something like that. So he would rage against uh, like happiness. <laughs> but it was the biggest gift. I always say that was the biggest gift, I hope, for both of us because we've been able to grow and heal together. And it was because of him that I uncovered this whole world of like attachment and safety and learning about how to heal from trauma. So that's a kind of long answer even to your question of can you heal it's like i believe that you are a gift in each other's lives and it's absolutely almost maddening to think about the adoption process i know nothing about it but just hearing what i've heard about yours and the things that are not reported and the it almost seems like they had limited amount of tools or the lack of tools that they that they give and don't give you know, that's, it's frightening. It really, really is. And to hear someone say that because of the age, the baby, that it didn't affect them, that right there just really tells you how it doesn't matter the age, right? When you're pregnant, right? You're, the baby feels your stresses. And so that there's, you can't say that because he was a little baby, it didn't matter. That's absolutely crazy that they said that. It is mind-blowing and so many people have said that who aren't professionals because it makes sense you know I don't remember being 12 months old I don't remember that but what I've learned is actually if there's attachment disruption between birth and three years old it's so hardwired into your actual physiological brain that it's much more difficult to heal than if you have an attachment trauma older because if you have an attachment trauma older, you've already had an attachment, a healthy attachment to someone. So you know how. Obviously, the attachment disruption is still traumatic, but your brain knows how to do it. Where younger, an infant and a toddler, their brain is learning how to do it. And so if they don't learn how, it takes so much more work. I mean, here we are 10 years later, and this is still like the focus of our world is healing attachment trauma in our family. Yeah. I think more and more people need to be aware of that. And, you know, especially as moms, 
you know, we try to give our kids the best environment that we can give them, but it's also with what we know. And, you know, I know for myself, I had to heal from, from my childhood and, and shatter those limiting beliefs because if not, I'm just going to keep passing it down. Right. But you're right. We learned, we learn um, what safety is to us when we're born and that's our sense of safety. And he never had that. He never had that. And so when things are going good, he's like, wait, something's fixing to happen now. It's too good. And that's absolutely no way to live. I saw it in me. Like he made me realize that I had the same issues that he had. Like, I think I told this story to you one time where I went to a therapy session with him. It was me. Actually, I went without him, but the therapy was set up as like it was me and him and the therapist called TheraPlay. It was very attachment based, but I had to go to the first session myself and pretend to be Emmanuel. And the practitioner like treated me like this is how it's going to be for Emmanuel. And she just reached out for my hand and started tracing the lines in my hand. And she just said, look at your hand. It's so special. It's so beautiful. You're so unique. And I had to hold back like not just tears, but like weeping. I just wanted to weep in that moment because I'd never in my life had I experienced someone just appreciate me for me and say that I was good in this world. That was so eye-opening for me. But this is how we've grown and we've learned together is like, even with my daughter who's biological, I would have parented her completely differently if it hadn't been for Emmanuel. It would have been very destructive. (laughs) I'm sure of it. But now I know, I know how to be intentional with my kids and their feelings and help them to grow up knowing like it's safe to be who you are and you're special and precious just as you are. I think that's absolutely beautiful. And I love the message that you just said about just being who you are and you're beautiful the way you are, because, you know, that's something you and I've spoke about before. That's something I struggled with as well was just being comfortable to be me. And I think too many people and women in in general, we just struggle with being comfortable with who we are. And, you know, too many people want to just kind of fit in this box and in this mold of this is what's accepted. (laughs) That's one of the many reasons you and I have become such great friends is because we're different than that. We're, we're not the same. We're different people and we're unique. So what would you tell someone who struggles with being able to just be themselves? Such a good question. I mean, this is a lifelong lesson for me. I've, I'm also an identical twin. So growing up, it was like I was never just me. It was always me and her. So that was an extra complication where walking into my own identity was like this whole bizarre thing. For me personally, I'm a woman of faith. And so just believing what God says about me has been huge for me. Like believe, even if I, it doesn't feel like it at all, activating my faith to say like, yes, I am chosen. I am gifted. I am called. I am made on purpose for a purpose. Like really, I would like write it on my walls In my old house, I'd literally paint these things onto my wall just to surround myself with that truth. And it really does 
change you when you're around those words every single day. But another um, activity that I love to give my clients is like go home and write a list of all of the things that make you feel alive. Yeah. You don't really hear that one much, right? You hear the, what are you grateful for? But what makes you feel alive? The first time I did it, I was like 22. And I was like, I like pink hair and high top shoes and hip hop and like this whole international relations and speaking different languages is like everything from small to big. And I looked at that list and I was like, this is me. This is who I am. And I can lean into these things because I am unique and beautiful and I need to embody this way that I've been woven, this way that I've been designed. There's a reason why all of these little things make my heart feel alive. So I love giving that to people. I'm going to do that later today and everyone else should. What makes you feel alive? And you know, what's funny is that sometimes when I first started to do like exercises, like write down what you're grateful for, you know, write down what you want to be and like manifesting, right? (laughs) When I used to do that, I would even by myself writing would just be like, oh, I can't write that. That sounds stupid. It's like, why do we hold ourselves back and do that to our own selves? No one else would have ever read it but I was still scared to write it. And so I really like that to write down what makes you feel alive. And you should just write down whatever it is and it shouldn't matter. And what the dumber it is, the better, right? You have a book coming out called The Healing Dreamer. Tell me more about it. What do I expect? You'll walk through the seasons of a dream from the birth of a dream to the death of a dream to the resurrection of a dream and everything in between. Um, And then just kind of look at what each of those steps looks like. Because actually what I have found is all dreamers go through something like a death of a dream where you think the dream's dead, the dream's gone, but it's actually just part of your process. So just encouraging you through that process. And then additionally, the things that might hold you back from going after your dream in a healthy way. So I talk about like forgiveness. I talk about having dreams for a season. I talk about Um, healthy relationships, all those kinds of things. So I'm really excited. I will keep you posted. Yeah, I can't, I can't wait for it to come out. I know that it's going to be awesome. And you have a free little gift that people can download as well, right? Yes, it's so fun. It's my soul care journal. So if you go on my website, you will find it, you can download it for free. It's 10 days of prompts, journal prompts that will just get you introspective looking at your heart and helping you to heal. Um, I think you'll really love it. It's lots of fun. Awesome. And you have your your new 12-week one-on-one program. This is for women. They can go to your website and, and sign up, I assume. You can go to my website. There is a tab for um, one-on-one coaching. And you can click on the link and set up a free call where we can connect and see if it's a good fit for you. Well, I like it. And I think anyone that works with you is going to come out and feel more purpose-driven and and healed and just understanding more about themselves and who they are. I'm so grateful that, that I can call you my dear friend. You know, I can't wait for that book to come out. That's for sure. So where can we find you at? Where are you at social media wise? So you can find me on Instagram at Gabby Ruth, G-A-B-I-R-U-T-H. I I just joined threads. 
So I'm over there too. <laughs> I, We're all figuring it out. <laughs> I'm on all the things. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on TikTok. Yeah, just find me anywhere. And then GobbyRuth.com is my website and we can connect that way as well. Yep. And she has an amazing podcast as well. She had me as a guest, yes. Paint to Passion Live. Yes. And Gobby's just amazing. So everyone go look her up. And thank you all for tuning in today. Hope you all have a really wonderful day and rest of the week. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to the show and make sure to go to revivebyjana.com to sign up for my weekly newsletter. You can follow me on Instagram at revivebyjana to see my health tips and advice.